Know your neighbor. It's not asking much. Simple, humane, and we'd like to think a logical approach. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Know Your Neighbor is a platform for constructive but brutally honest discussion on varying perspectives of race relations. We're approaching it in a simple way by having a conversation about it, allowing perspectives that oppose our own and listening to understand. The aim? To know your neighbor. This simple gesture should be better for us all. Hi, my name is Keenan Carlsa. I'm a South African currently living in the United Kingdom. Being outside of South Africa has actually just made me realize more how much I love it. How's it and welcome to all the listeners. Wandi Limatondo here, born and raised in KZN Mlazi, now living in Johannesburg. Trust you guys will enjoy the podcast. And I'm Aubrey Roo, a 32-year-old Afrikaans-speaking white guy living in Cape Town. Hello, Sunny Bonani, Moweni, Dumelang. Abusheni, nda, hita, hola, how's it? Awemasakanas. Today we talk about language and how it plays a role in each and every one of our lives. We have a guest on our show again and we're really excited for you to hear from him. Language is something which evokes emotion in each and every one of us. Today we shared many interesting ideas in our conversation, good and bad. It brought up so many talking points that we had to bring you another two-part episode. Here goes part one. Yeah, exciting news today is that we've got a new contributor joining the conversation, Lutando Chris Vuba. Uh, welcome. Uh, yeah, good to have you on the Know Your Neighbor podcast. And uh, yeah, maybe just to give some context, uh, Wandile couldn't join this, this month's conversation. Um, so we put our heads together around who could potentially join and, and Keenan uh thought of of uh, Lutando. So Kini, maybe give a little bit of background in terms of where you know Chris from and and why you thought it, it would be good to have him on the on on as part of the conversation. Yeah, firstly just also thanks Chris for joining us today. I appreciate it man. Um yeah I think Chris and myself we actually go back quite a while. Um from primary school I first got to know about Chris uh, you were head boy at St. Mary's, right? Or I was head boy. <laughs> head boy, yeah, there we go. And um, so uh, I've known uh, Chris since um, since early days already. So come along uh, a long way already. And no man, I just know Chris to be someone who's um, who's got a who's very opinionated and has strong beliefs about things. And uh, in general, just um, a good guy that uh, is um, like going to contribute to this conversation. I know for sure. So yeah, man, we're very happy to have you on here. And um, yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me and uh, for thinking of me. I think what you guys are doing is great here. So it's only a pleasure for me to contribute today. Cool. And and we do have a, an, an interesting kind of, uh, almost want to say, a follow-on from our previous discussion. In the last chat, we, we spoke quite a bit about diversity um, and unity and, and its role in society and all its different kind of um, – forms that it takes on out there in society. And today we want to chat a, a little bit about language and its impact on cohesion um, in South Africa in particular. Uh, but I think there are and will probably be some perspectives from even from other countries and from other cultures a, as we get into the conversation. And 
in thinking about it myself a little bit coming into this conversation, I just realized that this topic has multiple, and I mean multiple lenses through which, which it can be viewed. Um, so, I mean, some of the ones that just popped up were like the origins of languages and how they kind of affect cultures, like the historical application of languages, the systemic lag of them on today, and then kind of current challenges. And yeah, there's just so many different things. So I thought a good starting point would be to to ask you guys and, and get your perspectives and views um, and understand how you think language impacts cohesion out there. Maybe I'll have a, a stab at this uh, uh, first. Um, you know, when I think of language, uh, I'm always reminded of my time at university. So um, uh, I was on our, um, I don't know how you, what you would call it in English now, but I was um, part of our ACA, which is like the residence committee. The residence committee, that's what it's called, yeah. And one of my portfolios was diversity. And I can um, remember fondly um, how uh, back in the day I used to have like a, a, a toilet cubicle um, a notice board kind of thing and on those notice board I would always like put up, put up all these quotes about like all these um, inspirational quotes about diversity and unity and those kind of things and one of the ones that I um, that like always stands out for me is the one from Nelson Mandela where he says like you know <clears throat> when you speak to a man in a language he understands it goes to his head but when you speak to a man in a language in his language that that goes to his heart and I think that is so um, so indicative of what language can do. You know, it's just a, another way that you can communicate with people and a way through which you can, like, pass ideas on. But also the language that you do it, do it in has, like, an, an effect on, on, on how people get together. Because language is, 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 is an amazing thing that can just make people feel that they're part of something. You know, for me personally now, I'm, um, I'm abroad. And when you hear Afrikaans or that's my language that I speak, then like you're always intrigued to see who's this person or maybe you can strike up a conversation. And that's a, a, a thing that makes me feel part of that person just because he speaks Afrikaans. We've got absolutely like maybe we don't have, even have anything in common or I don't, I don't know him from a bar or soap, right? But just the fact that he speaks my language is already something that um, connects me with him. So I think that's, that, that's a powerful thing about language. It can, really, it can really force people, or not force people, but it can really uh, cause people to feel connected and, and just a sense of, of, of unity, I guess, just, just due to language. So <clears throat> language is an important thing. And there's many languages, in, especially in South Africa, You've got a diverse cultures with many languages. So I think it's, a, it's, it's an important thing that we can work towards to also form some, some kind of social cohesion and unity. Kenny, I suppose um, the, the, the interesting thing about that is that as much as it, not, not, to, not to kind of hamper on the negative side, but as much as it can, uh, can bring people together, it can also divide people. So I think, yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm also Afrikaans speaking, grew up Afrikaans, but if I think about it, it feels to me like context is quite important because you hearing Afrikaans in London and feeling, Hey, I'm part of people. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. that same language was used in South Africa to divide at some point. And a lot of people's, um, experience of it is as a language that, that kind of infuriated people because it was enforced. So context is interesting. It's another lens um, 
which we can explore. So that yeah, this is interesting. And I think I think I think um, just in that uh, already, like we kind of like lasering in on the fact that that is my experience. So mm. for each and every person, there's a different experience yeah. when it yeah. comes to language. So that's also another aspect. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, interesting take, uh, Keenan. Um, f- for me, I, I think I'll, I often think of, of languages as a, as an instrument, right? And it can be an instrument for a number of things. As Aubrey alluded, it can be an instrument to oppress. It can be an instrument, like you said, Keenan, to unite. It can be an instrument to connect. Um, it can be an in- instrument to 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 also um, discriminate, right? Um, you know, you're being able to understand a certain language or speak it is discriminate. You're discriminated against if you cannot speak it, or it is used as a measure of intelligence. So it's used as a um, where do you fit in society, right? And, and and all around the world, we can see examples of this. In India, for instance, if you can read English, let alone speak it, you're already somewhere um, above the rest in terms of just being class or, or in terms of the classing, if you think about it that, that way, social classing, or if you think about just like where you're supposed to fit in society, right? Um, in, in, in other parts of the world, language has a history to it, like you mentioned, Aubrey. In South Africa, Afrikaans is used um, as an oppressive tool, right? Um, and for a lot of um, non-white South Africans in South Africa, as beautiful as the language is of Afrikaans, there's different relationships with it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you grew up in my generation, it's just a language that you, was part of the language that you do at school. And because I grew up in a mixed neighborhood, it was the language I spoke, my neighbor spoke, but my neighbor also spoke my tongue or understood my mother tongue. So it was, mm. it's a different, but as soon as I went to my family, I was around my family, it was in the Eastern Cape, it was a different ball game where they couldn't even speak and understand it. And they used to tease us that we come from, you know, the oppressor's province and that's why we speak the language mm. and then when i go to the other side of my family my dad's family which has some roots in craft and net which is similar to george where black people um speak often afrikaans to each other because mm. that's just you know the uh, regionally historically what has happened over time and there are different parts of the western cape actually and south africa where that is the case we will find black people it could be any of the tribes of, of the African tribes speaking Afrikaans as a medium to each other within their family setting, mm-hmm. um, which for me is always fascinating because you just have to go like a thousand kilometers in the other direction or less to find a different experience and relationship yeah. With, yeah. with language. So, and then like you said, you know, it can connect people, right? I certainly um, got very excited with my time in New York and I bumped into a guy who just saw my Springbok jersey and said to me, away. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> right? Um, and he was not South African. He was just someone who had spent some time in Cape Town and was extremely, extremely fascinated um, by the Kiptonians. Not so much how Kiptonians can be, but the slang that had been derived from, from Afrikaans. Afrikaans in itself has a, has a very complex history, which... I think a lot of South Africans are not privy to, right? Mm. And he was very fascinated by that slang and all these terms that there's no Afrikaans sentence you could string together, but all the terms he knew, like away, 
Mexican, I can go on. So <laughs> I think I think I think languages for me, it's a fascinating thing that we we, we don't give enough attention as just as to how much um, it, it affects, you know, um, community, society. If you think about like a country like France, right, in Europe, where um, a lot of the connecting, right, communication is probably in English, right? And English itself is just a mixed masala, like it's a, it's a Faniga law, right? Mm-hmm. Faniga law is a language that miners came up with because they came from different parts of South Africa and they had to string Zulu, Sutu, Afrikaans, and then just start to communicate and understand each other. So that's what English is. That's what Swahili is, right? In in the East, and that's what Mandarin is. It's just mm-hmm. a, okay, this is the middle ground and mm-hmm. there we can understand each other. So there's also that where language mm-hmm. is an instrument of integrating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we create another language so we can integrate and come together because me learning your language or you have to learn my language is much further mm-hmm. um, so horizon. So let's throw things in a bowl and see what we come up with. Yeah. But, you know, English is seen as, you know, the Queen's language or British. And because of the colonial um, history of Britain or how, or, or how it colonized different parts of the world, it is seen as the global language. And, you know, it's, 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 it's therefore that's how we communicate in English. But mm-hmm. I think if you had a Marco Polo dominate the world, you know, our medium today would have been Mandarin. Like, you know, so history plays a very, very crucial element to, to, to what we see as language today and our relationship with it. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. Um, Latanda, I'm just thinking now. Like um, that—that that is exactly the reason why when when I started thinking about today's chat and and kind of cast my eye back to our previous conversation about diversity, one of the things that we said was that it's actually um, when different cultures, people that are different, us as humans being explorers, when we go and view things from other people's perspectives, it actually becomes such a rich like tapestry. And that's exactly what you're saying through these languages that are almost like mixed together to, to create something. And then I think something I've experienced very recently, our first son was born today, exactly a month ago. Um, and just a little bit of context on that. Uh, I'm Afrikaans, Misha's English. We met in a working environment where we all spoke English. So our relationship has always been English. Um, Yet when we're with my Afrikaans friends, they speak Afrikaans, she speaks English, I speak Afrikaans to them. But we've always known when we have kids, we want, I'm going to speak Afrikaans to them and she's going to speak English to them. Her family who live in Natal um, speak Zulu, so we want him to have exposure to Zulu. but we knew that's what we were going to do. But for the first time in the past month, Afrikaans has been heavily introduced into our household because I'm speaking it to to Steph, my son. So all of a sudden, the, the they are like little nuances and jokes and things that are coming out in our household that that never existed. And that's just also because I'm being true to my roots. And it's not that I wasn't previously true to my roots, but we all have some depth within our mother tongue, even though we may be able to speak a, lot, a whole lot of other uh, languages. So that, that's that been quite an interesting like nuance to me. And, and it almost feels to me like that's where the magic lies, when you can be proud of and, and um, 
and kind of have depth within your culture, language, who you are, where you come from, etc., but still embrace the difference and the and the magic that that others and exploring others and understanding others can bring into your life. Um, so that that's been a very personal experience for me over the past month, literally the past month. So yeah, so it's interesting how it's all linking to what you say. I think there's there's literally to this this particular uh, subject. There's so many facets to it, eh? But um, one thing that I I, I kind of like. Um, that uh, we can connect the dots between all of the points that we've made so far is environment actually also plays a big role, eh? Because like Chris was saying, <clears throat> he's, he's he grew up in George. Chris, can I, how many languages can you speak with? Mm, well, I'm learning my fifth one. <laughs> so five, right? English, I speak Isikosa, which is my mother tongue. I speak Afrikaans. Um, I speak... Um, this is really it's quite very similar, but like I think it's worth claiming because it's quite different. So you go deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I understand Setswana, and I'm busy learning Mandarin. Amazing. So, so, so my my thought with that just is right. So, because your family, like you said, your family originally comes from the Eastern Cape. Your family migrated to um, the Western Cape, and then you guys were kind of like almost um, almost forced into Afrikaans, right? Because that's the environment that you came into. And um, same with, with with you, Abe's like you you met um, your wife Mish in like a corporate environment which was dominated by English. So that was your relationship. But w- once you brought it back home to your son, now like you make that conscious effort to in your home to uh, to speak um, uh, Afrikaans to your son right but now in my case again like I've also got two kids and I've kind of failed eh, with uh, my first boy to um, to get Afrikaans into him his first word that he said was of course um, the, the boom outside <laughs> but um, that's that's currently how, how far it, um, how far it uh, stretches you know in terms of because in our environment that we are in right now, <clears throat> Afrikaans is not, is not that um, big a feature for us because the only way, place we're going to speak it is if we go back home or if we see some South African friends, you know, then we'll speak Afrikaans. But the necessity for that particular language is not there anymore because our environment, our environment dictates that English would be the would be the the dominating language or the preference rather because you want to be able to communicate with people and and that's the, that's the most important thing to be able to communicate i think for me yeah the environment thing is a very important one or background um i think i think being being black and you're fluent in 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 afrikaans and i mean you can review the number of ways just for those two facts um but then also you 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 well versed culturally, right? So what I find um, a lot of places, towns, I um, mean the Western Cape, are very good at like sort of shaping um, uh, shaping one to be very sort of diverse culturally because whether you are <clears throat> as per South African identifying you're a colored person or you're a black person or you're a white person, right? There's there's some relationship with culture just outside of what you learn at school or what you see in the media that you are just thrust into, right? Um, so for me, my observation has been, I'm, I'm, I'm a black guy who grew up in dominantly um, colored area in George, and um, George is pretty much Afrikaans, you know? So from my neighborhood, even when I when we just look at um, our, our main newspaper in George, 
quite a few sections in Afrikaans. So generally that's kind of like the language. And you go then to a school like a York, which I think at the time was the only English medium high school. Then even that's a telling story because then you look at the high school options and there's only one and there's quite a few Afrikaans, right? And then um, Tosa ones. And so that already sort of thrusts you in a certain background, right? And then, um, so you, you grow up with this where you can either sort of try to fight it you know, or, or like you said, I'll be like, you know, strengthen your roots and be like, well, this, this is my language, it's my culture. Or you can be like, well, I understand my language and culture. Um, let me embrace, you know, um, these influences mm-hmm. and see how that enriches me, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that's what that's what my mom did very well with my sister and I, where it was like, well, one of the reasons why she moved from the Eastern Cape to, to, to the Western Cape was because she wanted to, raise um, her kids in a different environment, but give them more enriched experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And look, there's nothing wrong with growing up in Eastern Cape. It just means you have a much richer um, mm-hmm. sort of um, cultural understanding and and reach within the Tosa culture. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same about, you know, KZN, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But for her, it was like, I want to raise kids that are able to go anywhere in the world and they know who they are, but they can integrate. So for her, the Western Cape was that. So we were pushed into, you will go to a preschool or primary school where it's Afrikaans medium. And then high school, you will go to an English one. Mm-hmm. And at home, she's taking care of, you know, um, the closer side of things in terms mm-hmm. of the language, but also understanding our culture and traditions. Yeah. My sister had a bit more than that. She did a bit of half schooling, primary schooling, and in, in, in a closer primary school. Then the rest of that, she did at St. Mary's, where I was, which is Afrikaans. Yeah. And then high school, she had to do um, she, mm. she did again a mix of Afrikaans and English, mm. and with me it was Afrikaans high school English, and therefore the university was always always in your court, right? Mm. So I think um, there was a thinking behind it for her, but for us it was still a choice to be like we can embrace it or we can be like nah. And um, I think for me what was very interesting in the same town, just going across the bridge in a place like a Tembaletu, uh, where someone that looks like me does not have the same rich sort of cultural understanding or diversity just in what they're exposed to. Um, they weren't as fluent and understood mm-hmm. Afrikaans as well as I did. Um, and 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 just, so even in the same town, like even I look at three of us on this call, we probably were like within a 10 kilometer radius yeah. from each other. But our experience is so different, so right? Different. Um, and, 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 and we probably got a lot of our shaping and understanding around the time when ESA was also um, becoming a democratic country. So a lot of that also influenced our experiences on top of, you know, mm. us just coming from different parts. Although those different parts were, like I said, it's 10 kilometer radius and mm. they shaped us Absolutely. the way we did. And if I look at... Uh, um, if I look at the, like the white person's background with integrating culture is that the lady that was helping out at the house or even raising you was someone who didn't look like you who spoke a different language and I know for instance some of my friends that are white you know they would even learn you know they had learned a few um, expressions and some fully learned you know and they were fluent in um, in, in, in a in a very language mm. with the Zulu or it's close so mm. That's the interesting thing for me as to how our backgrounds, you know, just has this sort of ability to enrich us. But it's still a choice that you mm. embrace it or not, you know, yeah. because I also have friends 
who had the same exposure as me, but they chose not to embrace it, right? Mm-hmm. And you, and it's always like for a lot of people confused, like, oh, you're from the same area as him, but why is he struggling with Afrikaans who doesn't understand or can't speak Afrikaans, right? Mm. Um, or so, so, so there's there's also that element, which I think is very important. And I like that you use that example, Aubrey, because that's what parenting is such a huge thing. Like you can put your kid in KZN, like, you know, mm. and, and having daily interaction, but the push from, from, from you as a parent or the household has such a huge influence in what he'll eventually embrace. Mm. I'm glad that you're telling me one month in, <laughs> putting the responsibility <laughs> on me. <laughs> Good, Chris, thank you. Um, Chris, I just wanted to latch onto that um, idea that you shared of, of us being so close to one another, like in a, in a, in a, in a 10 kilometer radius probably, right? And it's just, it, it is so true what you say. It, it is really a choice because um, I'm just thinking to, to my, for myself, right? Uh, up until university, I never really had a, a need almost for English because everything that um, I did was in Afrikaans just due to how how my environment basically dictated that when I see friends at in Afrikaans, um, <clears throat> The, the the close-up people that we do see, like, you know, most of my, my, my dad's friends, like, you would almost, like, speak in Afrikaans to them because they already understand Afrikaans because that's the uh, environment that um, George as a, as, a, as, a, as a town basically created, right? Where, like, the dominant language was Afrikaans and everyone just um, diverted to it. If it, Every now and then you would, of course, uh, uh, speak in English, but mainly um, the black people from, from Timbalete would speak to my dad in Afrikaans and... And it's just, it's, it's actually just sad, man, because I just think like, like you were saying, it's, it's, um, you have a rich experience when you're exposed to so many different languages. And, um, that's something where, where myself being a colored from, from South Africa, from George also missed out on, even though like, um, you know, like Afrikaans, <clears throat> when people think of it, they think like it's the white language, but Afrikaans is 10,000% my language as well, you know, because that's what, what most colored people speak in. And, and I just think, um, just our environment caused us to actually lose out on a lot on a lot in terms of of diversity of culture diversity of languages just due to the fact that we mainly most of our communities all functioned in such bubbles not even one of us had this conversation in our own mother tongue but it was so much fun to have we spoke about our kids our mothers and what they want for us our town where we grew up culture and it was all linked by our theme of language. We have some more interesting points we raise in part two, looking at it from a more formal angle. We look forward to share that with you too, so keep an eye out for it.